Mick Jagger could not get any satisfaction. And Aretha Franklin longed for respect. But Darius Rucker said he had it all. Listen to these lyrics from his 2009 hit entitled All Right. Don't need no five-star reservations. I've got spaghetti and a cheap bottle of wine. Don't need no concert in the city. I've got a stereo in the best of Patsy Cline. Ain't got no caviar, no Don Perignon. But as far as I can see, I've got everything I want. Cause I got a roof over my head, the woman I love laying in my bed, and it's all right, all right. I've got shoes under my feet, forever into her eyes staring back at me, and it's all right, all right. I've got all I need, and it's all right by me. How are you feeling this morning? Do you feel like you have everything you need? What about everything you want? If you're a Christian, I feel like you can join Mr. Rucker in recognizing that you have all that you need. For theology's sake, I hope you would sing it a different way. I've got shoes under my feet, the Lord I love directing me, because I got a roof over my head, and with God's word I'm richly fed. Don't need to imagine or pretend, I've got Jesus as my shepherd and friend. I've got all I need, and it's all right by me. Feel free to write your own version at home this afternoon. <laughs> the reason I think you can join me in singing this rewrite, which has not been approved by Mr. Rucker, is because of the psalm we're about to study this morning. Psalm 23, found on page 458 of the Bibles provided, which I invite you to turn to now, tells us that in Jesus we have all that we need. I realize that the thought of having all you need is difficult. Some of us have financial problems. Others have or might be currently experiencing homelessness. And still others are experiencing health problems and there might not be a cure. How then can I boldly declare that the Christian has all he needs? This is because as we will see in Psalm 23, the one in whom we trust is controlling every circumstance. And he has promised that all things work together for the good for those who love him. Listen now as I read Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is full of information about who God is and who our shepherd is. It tells us a lot about God's character. It lets us see that God is our provider, that he is our creator, and that he is our leader and protector. It also demonstrates that he is good and merciful, and that he is eternal, because his children have the promise of dwelling with him forever. 
This morning, I want us to consider the psalm in two points. Who the shepherd is and what it is that we should not want. Who the shepherd is and what it is that we should not want. Let's consider our first point. I think it's good and important for us to see who God is. David says in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. My implies a closeness. The Lord is not a distant God, but a personal God. Ownership is in the picture. My shepherd. And to be clear, it is not David declaring ownership of God, but God, but David declaring that God owns him and will protect his life. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He restores my soul. You prepare a table. This is David's personal experience with God. And this relationship is not limited to David, but is available to all who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord in scripture means Jehovah. This is David distinguishing his God from all the other false gods. Egypt, for example, had 360 primary gods, one for each day of the Egyptian calendar. David was making clear that no false god was his shepherd and that the one and only sovereign God was. We might not have 360 gods in our lives, but we have our false gods today. Anything that rivals the place of Jehovah in your hearts is a false god. When we idolize ourselves, when we hoard possessions, or trust in our bank account for, quote, security, when we dote over or love an individual more than we love God, we have made that possession or individual a false god. David did not have a rival for his heart. As we will see in Psalm 23, he did not trust in his possessions or abilities, but in the Lord for life and security. Recall what David said to Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will deliver the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. David had his complete trust in the Lord, and sheep must put their complete trust in the shepherd. In assuming the role of a sheep, David is confessing that he himself is helpless. One commentator put it like this, sheep are dumb, defenseless, and directionless. directionless. It's hard word to pronounce. This is David's testimony that without God, he's a dumb sheep. In contrast with God as his shepherd, David does not want. His God, the sovereign Lord, is sufficient to supply all of his needs. When the Lord is our shepherd or my shepherd, all of the shepherd-like qualities of God are used for the benefit of Christians. The attributes of it or characteristics of a good shepherd are numerous. Here are five. The good shepherd loves his sheep and develops an intimate relationship with them. The good shepherd provides constant protection and security for the sheep. The good shepherd seeks and finds the sheep when they go astray. The good shepherd goes ahead of the sheep to prepare a way and the good shepherd comforts the sheep when they are hurt or sick. There is only one good shepherd, and this is whom David calls my shepherd. 
This is the same Lord first disclosed to Moses in the burning bush and used more than 4,000 times in the Old Testament. It literally means, I am who I am. It refers to God's timeliness on the one hand and his self-sufficiency on the other. This is the Lord with infinite wisdom and power who is unchangeable. That God is unchangeable is good news for the Christian and it was a comfort to David. Because we have such rebellious hearts, there is only one shepherd capable of saving and protecting us, the Lord. In Israel, as in other ancient societies, a shepherd's work was considered the lowest of all works. If a family member needed a shepherd, it was always the youngest son like David who got this unpleasant assignment. Shepherds lived with the sheep 24 hours a day and the task for caring for them was unending. Shepherds labored day and night, summer and winter, in fair weather and foul. They labored to nourish God and protect the sheep. It is not a profession that one would normally choose. No one in this room probably grew up desiring to be a shepherd. Despite how shepherds or the profession is viewed, God has chosen to be our shepherd. The God of the universe has chosen to take care of you and take care of me. Jesus confirms that he is in fact not only the shepherd, but the good shepherd. Listen again to a portion of John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. The good shepherd cares for his flock. He gives them abundant life, protects them when danger is lurking, and even lays down his own life for them. Christians are part of that one flock, and Jesus is our shepherd, providing the utmost care for us. This is David's shepherd and our shepherd, and because of that, we should not be in want. Not being in want is our second point. And we'll have a number of sub-points in this section. Again, this might be a difficult concept for you. At our house, we often talk about wants and needs. And that might be one way to look at it. You might want a new car, but do you really need it? So what does it mean to not want? It sounds like we will not have any desires. But how many of us can honestly say we don't have desires? For food, for work, for our children, for relationships, and the list could be unending. So what does it mean? What does this mean? In the Hebrew, it's not that I shall not want anything. Instead, the literal translation is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Still, you might ponder, well, I'm walking through the dark. I must lack light. But again, this has to mean that for God's sheep only, we never lack anything that the shepherd thinks is good for us. This is confirmed in verse 4. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, definitely extreme conditions, the sheep has no fear because the Lord is with him and his rod and his staff comfort him. You might wonder, how does the sheep get in such a dark valley? And the question is whether, and question whether it's because of sin. Often in life, our sin leads us into dark positions. 
But the dark valley here does not appear to be related to sin. Verse 3 makes clear that the Lord is leading the sheep to paths of righteousness. There is nothing to indicate that the path through the valley is not one of righteousness in which God leads. The real question here might be how we follow. Do we trust, as we should, that God is leading us to a better place, and that even though we have desires, we are not lacking in anything that is good? The truth is, too often we refuse to follow the shepherd and go our own way, not trusting in the way he is leading us. In times of trouble, we veer off the path. If you've ever driven to the Grand Canyon, while not comparable to the valleys we experience in life, it's the best example I could come up with. The road to the Grand Canyon itself is unimpressive. You're in a dry and barren desert for a number of miles, and if you're like most, you're wondering whether the trip is worth it. And then you see it. The canyon is breathtaking and magnificent. Sometimes in life, we travel down troubled roads. We have unemployment, sickness, and broken relationships. But God is leading us on a path that culminates with peace and joy. And we don't like anything necessary to travel this road. And when we reach the end of the road, I can promise you, heaven is more magnificent than the Grand Canyon or anything else that you have seen or can imagine. As we travel, the Lord provides all we need from the gas and oil and tire rotations. Listen to these words from Psalm chapter 84, verse 11. No good does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. And from Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Christian, follow the shepherd and you will lack nothing that you need. Left to themselves, sheep lack everything. They are the most helpless animals. But if we belong to the one who is self-sufficient, inexhaustible, and utterly unchanged, we will lack nothing, including the following, which will serve as the outline for the rest of the sermon. We will not lack life. We will not lack rest. We will not lack guidance. We will not lack safety. We will not lack provision. And we will not lack a heavenly home. As sheep of the Good Shepherd, we shall not lack rest. Listen again to verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Sheep are restless by nature. They are fearful and skittish. They are easily agitated and jealous and contentious of each other. Sounds a lot like people, doesn't it? We're often anxious and engaged in friction Inward fears and insecurities and conflicts with others make it difficult for us to rest. It's difficult for many of us to sleep when we're angry with a friend or family member or when we're afraid of something. Not many have faced the circumstances of David. Facing off with giants and having a king trying to kill you would lead most to fears and insecurities. Life sometimes provides difficult circumstances for us to be comfortable lying down and resting. Sheep, for instance, will not lie down unless they're free from all fear, friction, flies, and famine. They will not lie down unless their stomach is full and they've had enough to drink. Uh, parents, how many of us here at bedtime, I'm hungry. The shepherd's job is to provide the comfort in all of these. The good shepherd leads his sheep to green pastures and quiet waters 
This is the best grass and a wellspring with fresh water. The sheep are not getting scraps and crumbs, but the best. The shepherd goes all out for his sheep. Again, you might be experiencing trials and think you're experiencing God's second best. But here, you're confusing God's agenda with your agenda. God gives us what is excellent according to his agenda, not ours. The shepherd knows when we need green pastures and when we need quiet waters. We must trust in his plan. The shepherd provides the restful security that we need. We don't have to worry about our next meal, but instead, we are to trust in God's provision for the future. How are you resting? Are you troubled by the concerns of this world? Your inability to control every aspect of your life? Are you trusting in the shepherd or pursuing your own control, trying to lead your own way and acting like panicked sheep? Trusting in the shepherd is what leads to peace. What leads the sheep into trouble is a lack of contentment. Sheep often wander off when they are thirsty to find their own water. When they do, they often go to polluted potholes and pick up parasites and all kinds of diseases and germs. The shepherd, on the other hand, provides pure stream water. We're too often like the sheep. We drink from the mud holes of worldly wisdom, even though the shepherd has led us to the pure clean wisdom in his word. We need to thirst for spiritual life. Spiritual water is what will make us rest and lay down, never thirsting again. Think of Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give, the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It is living water that satisfies. That is what the Good Shepherd leads us to, not to material possessions or other worldly pursuits. David trusted in the shepherd. As Christians, we must trust in him as well. This is where the Christian life begins, resting in Christ. This is what Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let's go to the good shepherd for rest. Let's also go to the good shepherd for life. As sheep of the good shepherd, we shall not lack life. Look again at verse 3. He restores my soul. What does it mean to have your soul restored? To restore is to rest, to reset to normal. It is to bring the straying sheep back to the sheepfold. We often need our souls restored after straying away from the shepherd. How tempting is the little piece of grass to the sheep. We are too often enticed by what we consider a little sin. Sin is often cloaked in what appears to be green grass. It is enjoyable or convenient for a moment but the consequences last forever. Sin destroys the soul, but the Good Shepherd can restore it to its original purity. Sin leaves us dry and lifeless, but the Shepherd provides the sheep a solution. 
Psalm 19, verse 7 says, The instruction of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. When we forsake the ways of the Lord, he brings our wandering spirits back to his paths of righteousness. Sheep, when they wander off from the shepherd, need to be restored. Have you ever fallen and needed help to get up? I'm sure you have. When a sheep is in a cast position or is on its back, it is unable to breathe normally, panics, and will eventually die. Only the shepherd can restore it or rescue it. One commentator said this, Sometimes we are like cast sheep. We are spiritually on our backs, quite helpless. But Jesus comes to us when we are in this condition, as he did to Peter, after Peter had denied him, even with oaths and cursing, and he restores us. Jesus restored Peter. He gets us up on our feet and going again. When our soul is sick, we are downcast and need a pick-me-up. Proverbs 18 verse 14 says, A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear it? The only way for us to endure the pain and suffering of this world is for our hearts to be strong in the Lord. The shepherd is the only one who can refresh us. Otherwise, as John Piper says, we're flat like a deflated beach ball with no will or ability to hang on. The shepherd through his care relieves us from anxiousness. His presence lets us know that he is controlling us and the environment around us. How are you caring for our fellow sheep? Do we have a heart for those who are lost and wandering? Are we pointing them to Christ? Do we have any concern for them to share the good news of the gospel with them? We don't know who Jesus' sheep are, so we should be burdened for those who are not following. As we've already seen in John chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus will bring all of his sheep home. Let's care for the fallen sheep. We all fall and need help to get back on our feet. It is when we have fallen that we are the most vulnerable. The Good Shepherd knows when we have fallen, he is capable of getting us back on our feet. Let's trust in the Shepherd. As sheep of the Good Shepherd, we shall not lack guidance. Continuing in verse 3. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Sheep have very poor eyesight, unable to see more than 15 yards away. And they cannot hear well. They need someone to guide them. We need someone to lead us to paths of righteousness, especially at the restoration. Otherwise, we would return to our same old ways, finding trouble again. Again, if we're honest, even though most of us can see more than 15 yards, perhaps not without our glasses, but, and hear just fine, we wander from the paths of righteousness. I think we can sometimes see this in ourselves. Sheep can be brought to the best grazing field near an abundant supply of water, but still wander off to barren and undrinkable water. We stray by sinning, but God leads us in the upright moral paths. He gives us a road map in his word. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Because sheep have such poor eyesight, they must stay close to the shepherd for security. We need to stay close to God's word. We need to hear his voice and follow him. Following the shepherd is the only way to the righteous path. Psalm 119, verse 9. 
How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. So God has revealed a lot about the path of righteousness through his word. To understand and follow it, we need to be faithful to read and study it. There is no other way in which God leads us. There is one other way, another way in which God leads us. As Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So we need a revelation from the Word and a transformation by the Holy Spirit to walk in the path of righteousness. We must become new. When we rely on the Word and the Spirit from the shepherd, we lack nothing. When we wander off, we get lost. The Word even warns us that when we wander, there is danger of getting attacked, drowning, or falling off of a cliff. We see this warning in Romans chapter 7, verse 5. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. When we wander away from the shepherd, we are living in the flesh. Following the lust of our flesh and eyes, we search with futility for our own self-remedies and depend on our own righteousness, which does not exist. To be clear, we reject God and break his commandments. This is what happens when we refuse to follow the shepherd. As Hebrews chapter 2 says, we need to stay close to the shepherd. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by the angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. The righteous pass in the Psalms were well-worn. In the Hebrew, they're translated as ruts, so they're really steep. When the sheep wander off to explore new paths, the shepherd has not secured those paths, and that means trouble. How often have we seen people who identify as Christians be deceived and wander away with false teachings, even though the warnings we have are clear? Consider Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, we are not to be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by the wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitfulness, deceitful schemes. Christians, Let's be guided by the words of Christ. Why does God reveal his word to us and send his Holy Spirit to lead us? He does it for his name's sake. The Lord is intent upon preserving his reputation for being true to his revealed character. God does this for his own glory. What kind of reputation would the shepherd in Palestine earn if everyone knew he was careless and irresponsible with his sheep? What kind of reputation would God earn for himself were he careless with those who belong to his charge? This is the plea Moses made to God when God threatened to destroy the Israelites for making the golden calf in Exodus chapter 32 verses 12 and 13. Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? 
Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I promise I will give your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. So Moses pleads and God relents. God relents not because the people are good, but to protect his own reputation. This is why he guides and protects, not as a hired hand, but as a faithful shepherd, only permitting what is ultimately good for his sheep. This should remind us that God is the beginning and end of all of our righteousness. The path of righteousness has his grace as his starting point, for he leads us into it, and his glory as its destination, because his leading is for his namesake. The Good Shepherd's name is judged by the behavior, condition, and welfare of his sheep. If you want to know more about God's concern for his reputation, I commend to you a sermon I preached last year on June 19th on Ezekiel chapter 36 on this very topic. For now it's enough for us to know that God protects his name so he must deliver his people and fulfill his promises. And one of those promises is security. As sheep of the Good Shepherd, we shall not lack safety. Look again at verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The valley of the shadow of death in Palestine is located behind the hills of Bethlehem and towards the Dead Sea. In some places, it is 1,500 feet deep. It is dark, and you don't want to be in there alone. During David's time, the bear and the lion waited in the shadows of the caves to attack the sheep. It is an understatement to say that the area was not safe, but David, understanding this, had no fear. He looked to the promises of God for comfort. There is security in his word for every trial we face and every valley we go through. In times we are anxious, we must look to his word Jesus tells us in John chapter 14 not to let our hearts be troubled. In times of loneliness, we must look to his word and recognize that we're not alone. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. In times of depression, we must look to his word Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. When trouble has lingered for more than a few hours or a few days or a few years, we should look to his word. This psalm is encouraging because we are walking through the valley. This is not permanent trouble, but temporary. This is not a detour, but a path to righteousness. The shepherd knows the way He's been down the path before. Jesus knows the valleys. He was tempted. He was attacked. He was betrayed. He suffered and died. And in doing so, he overcame sin and death and created a path for us. There is nothing that will surprise our shepherd. He has the ability to protect in moments of danger, whether from wild animals or weather. Just like the shepherd leads to green pastures, 
He also leads through the valley of death. When, not if, we encounter deep shadows and cannot know for sure who the bandits are or what lurks in the shadows, the shepherd does and the faithful sheep find assurance that God is with them and thus they need not fear. Sheep are in the valley after all because the shepherd has led them there. How is it that the rod and staff are a comfort? The shepherd's rod has a number of practical uses. The rod can be thrown with accuracy just beyond a wandering sheep. It can be used to ward off intruders and protect the sheep from attack. And it can be used to part the wool of the sheep to examine them for wounds that need to be treated. The staff of the shepherd's crook, you can picture it as a more rugged version of a walking cane with a hook on the end. The good shepherd would use it to guide the sheep back to the flock, hooking them and pulling them in the right direction. There is comfort with the shepherd guiding your every step. So the shepherd is either hooking or poking the sheep to warn of danger. Christian, how do you respond to the rods and staffs in your life? When a brother or sister attempts to pull you away from the cliff of sin, are you comforted by their care? their attempts to keep you safe, or do you resist and walk off the cliff? Children, do you realize your parents are caring for you through discipline? God's faithful guidance includes faithful protection. David does not fear because he trusts. God is there with him. He understands that sometimes you have to go through valleys to get to a better place. He trusts the leadership of the shepherd. How are you responding? in the valleys of life. When the shepherd tells us that sex was designed for marriage, are you trusting his leadership or going your own way? When the shepherd tells you to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, are you trusting his leadership or forsaking the worship hour for your children's sporting events? When the shepherd tells you to obey your parents, are you trusting in his leadership or succumbing to peer pressure from your friends and dishonoring your parents? The shepherd knows the perils ahead, but in spite of the hazards, he knows this is still the best way to lead the sheep. The writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 4, verses 15 to 16, the following. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to lead in time of need. When we are in God's presence, we have no reason to fear. It is when we wander off that fear should set in. We should be like little children in the presence of God, comforted in His sovereignty and able to rest. Children, your parents are not God, but the older children may remember this and the younger children may still be comforted by the thought of their parents being present. This is especially prevalent during the bedtime routine or after a bad dream. During the bedtime routine, when it's time for the lights to go out, some children are happy for you to turn off the lights as long as you stay in the room. Otherwise, they would like for the lights to stay on until they fall asleep. In the presence, it is the presence of the parents that is comforting. In the same way, David can walk through the valleys as long as the Lord is with him without fear. 
David also understands that a good shepherd will search for the lost sheep. Jesus searches for us when we are lost. When we don't listen to the shepherd's voice, we are easily led astray, and we need to be close to him to hear him. The Lord will find us. This is what the prophet Ezekiel says in chapter 34. As the shepherd seeks out his flock, when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on the day of the clouds and thick darkness. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. The dark valleys are a stark contrast to those who preach a prosperity gospel, which is no gospel at all. The Bible does not promise a life free from suffering or a life where you get everything you desire or even everything you want. We will experience trials, but even so, we should not lose heart in His presence. We're not promised the avoidance of evil, but we are promised that we have no reason to fear evil. When the shepherd is with us, because he will guide us even through the evil things in this world. As sheep of the good shepherd, we shall also not lack provision. Look again at verse five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. We have seen already how the shepherd guides us and leads us to green pastures and still waters, and we've discussed how he is leading us to a better place. This represents the better place. The Lord is now our gracious host. He prepares a table for us. He anoints our heads with oil. This is a wealthy home reserved for special guests. Christian, do you realize that you're special to God? Today when we travel, we generally spend the night in hotels and eat at restaurants. In David's time, you were hosted in people's homes and the host had an obligation. The obligation was to simply provide a meal. When the host wanted you to stay longer, he would make your cup overflow. When he filled your glass halfway, you shouldn't unpack your bags. This is David saying that when the Lord prepares the table for us, we're expected to linger long after dessert has been served. We're to be permanent guests in his house. One commentator said it this way, if we will follow God to lead us where he will, we'll find that a table has been prepared for us, our heads have been anointed with purest oil, and our cups have been filled to overflowing with the wine of true joy. Where the Good Shepherd is leading us is where we want to conclude. As sheep of the Good Shepherd, we shall not lack a heavenly home. Look again at verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As verse 6 tells us, we can unpack. The journey to heaven is promised and complete. David leaves no doubt. Surely. Jesus has gone ahead to prepare a place for us. John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. The terms goodness and mercy refer to God's disposition to act kindly towards people who realize they are undeserving. Goodness or mercy is God's prevailing tendency. His inclination is to do good for us. Even though as wandering sheep, we deserve his anger. Instead of deserting us, he actively pursues goodness and mercy. Follow me. The word follow might be somewhat confusing. We would prefer for the goodness and mercy to catch up with us, not to simply follow us. The Hebrew term is actually pursue. How wonderful is that? God pursues us with goodness and mercy every day of our life, and he not only catches up, he leads us to paths of righteousness. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of the Good Shepherd, welcome. We're glad you're here. I want you to know that you don't have a promised home in heaven. Your final dwelling place will provide no rest and no security. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says that we all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. When we go astray, we refuse to listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd. This is called sin. So all of us are sinners and we need a savior. We need our souls to be restored. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but that the gift of God is eternal life. We cannot pay, our own, pay for our own sins, but God sent the Good Shepherd to do so. Jesus lived the perfect life, a life without sin. He never strayed. He then laid down his life for the sheep. For the sins that you and I have committed and are committing, he was nailed to a cross, paying the punishment that you and I deserve, so that our souls could be washed free of sin and restored to purity. God was completely satisfied with Jesus' sacrifice and raised him from the dead, thereby defeating sin and death for those who will confess their sins, repent, turning away from sin, and committing to faithfully follow Jesus. This is the good news I want you to hear this morning. You can become a sheep of the Good Shepherd by following him. I'll be standing at the door at the conclusion of the service. I would be glad to talk to you more about this. Friend, I implore you to trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. There is no other God who can deliver you. Trust in Jesus leads us to our final point of verse 6. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Sheep are constantly on the move, but here the movement stops and we dwell. So the Lord leads us to his house so that we can dwell with him forever. The psalm leads us to God himself and the fulfillment of our longings. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. With no apologies to Mr. Rucker, unless he has Jesus Christ as his shepherd, he does not have all or anything that he needs. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, you are the great shepherd who loves, guides, and protects his sheep. Because of this, we can trust in you and can fearlessly follow you wherever you lead us. 
You are our friend who will bring us through the dangers and tolls on earth to our final home where we will rejoice. We can enjoy abundant life with you forever. We long for that day and pray for it to come quickly. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.